Hey everybody, have you considered starting a podcast? We here at Screwball highly recommend Podbean for getting your podcast out to a larger audience. Podbean has given us the ability to easily bring you Screwball each and every week on all of your favorite podcast services. Use the link podbean.com slash screwball to sign up and save up to 35% annually. You can also use the link podbean.com slash pro slash screwball to sign up for a business subscription. Happy podcasting. Hey everybody, welcome back to Screwball, a baseball podcast, your home for everything baseball. I'm your host, Mike LaPree, here with my co-host, Frank White. Hey, how's it going? This is episode 60 of Screwball here, and another kind of slow news week. Uh, it was kind of hard to find some really hot topics for us to talk about, uh, but we do have a topic of conversation. We have some uh, uh, general game updates. We got some cool milestones that came up last week in the game, and some exciting news with minor league baseball. So let's just get uh, right on into it with our news. But before we get into our topic of conversation, the first piece of news that we're going to talk about is the most recent uh, altercations on the field between the Phillies and the Mets uh, and the Red and the Reds um, game. Uh, on Friday night, April 30th, the Phillies and the Mets engaged in a benches-clearing altercation. The issue was sparked by Jose Alvarado striking out Dominic Smith, followed by taunting Smith and yelling. Uh, Dominic Smith did not take too well to this and engaged Alvarado in an argument. Bench is cleared and resulted in Alvarado being suspended for three games, as well as Dominic Smith and Miguel Castro being issued undisclosed fines. Miguel Castro threw at Reese Hoskins later in the game. Uh, this also relates to Amir Garrett's uh, issue against the Cubs, uh, yelling at Anthony Rizzo and Javier Baez getting involved, and those benches clearing as well. So a lot of tensions being run high for some of these teams. I wanted to more particularly talk about the Jose Alvarado incident because there is an actual penalty handed down. Um, three games is not the worst you know penalty you're going to take obviously was it justified three games for a reliever you know i guess so this kind of goes back to a lot of the stuff um that we've talked about in the past with the uh you know the batters like to pimp their home runs and talk all the crap at the plate and then while i think that some of the pitchers go too far um and some players take it too far this is kind of almost like that the war of escalation i think i've even mentioned on the show of everyone trying to one-up each other and be more crazy and, and talk more trash. I don't think Jose Alvarado was necessarily right for doing this stuff. I don't usually like that, the taunting and the and the big game showmanship and stuff like that. So I, I can't really necessarily agree with Jose Alvarado here, but, you know, it's an interesting situation. And, and like I said with Amir Garrett, I mean, Amir Garrett already has a reputation. we already seen him go nuts on, on a few teams. Um, so that's not super surprising, especially against a division rival uh, in the Cubs. So I don't know what's what's kind of your take on all this stuff, and, and what do you think of the of three game suspension and the fines to Miguel Castro and Dominic Smith? Oh, yeah, well I think the suspension's fine just because a reliever at three games you're probably going to get used at least one of those three games, so you're going to miss at least one of your outings. Mm. For a position player, he's you know he's playing every day, you know, five out of five out of six days, so three game suspension's not too bad. He also you know he did you know cause a ruckus out there yelling and screaming <laughs> sure and hollering, did. but um. You know, this goes back to, you know, previous games and previous at-bats. Uh, the players don't forget them. So, um, sure. if you're going to say something to a player, you know, he's going he's gonna to remember it. So, he just happened to uh, get emotional there in the middle of a game and in a, in a big a big spot. And, uh, you know, he just uh, <laughs> spoke his mind there, I guess. Amir Garrett, same way. He, you know, remembers that. And, you know, especially that one, you know, Baez came out and was real upset. But Baez is a guy who, you know, no look tags and flashy, and even in the field, flat flips and and all this other crazy stuff he does. But a pitcher strikes your your guys out and, and kind of gives it back to you, and it was a big deal. Mm-hmm. So um, at some point it's got to be you know either 
stopped or agreed upon that if you're going to do it, I could do it. Mm. Now, I doesn't know what, what was said and what what goes on, but, you know, that might be a little over the top what those two guys did, but uh, to be able to kind of give it back to them, you know, there's got to be something you could do. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's just, uh, I'm not a big fan of the all the Flash and, and stuff like that, but um, if you're going to do it to, to him, then he could do it back to you. So I think Amir Garrett with the with the bias, I think they had he Garrett had a had a point there. Mm-hmm. Um, Alvarado, yeah, I don't know too much about Dominic Smith or or Pete Alonso or any of those guys, you know, flipping the bat and, and going nuts. But but Amir Garrett and I think Baez, I think I think Amir Garrett was you know was onto something there essentially. Mm-hmm. You know, he had something to stand on. But that kind of leads into kind of what what we want to talk about today, and that really it goes back to the Phillies and Cardinals. You know, the Cardinals pitcher, a young guy, uh, Cabrera, I believe his name was, you know, threw it up and in pitching. And unfortunately, he had Bryce Harper in the face. Yeah. Which was, I don't know how he didn't do anything, didn't do any damage. But uh, Bryce Harper's fine, he played. But there was warnings issued to both teams. Well, real quick before, I don't want to interrupt you, but was it after then Didi got hit, the warnings were issued, or was it after Harper got hit? Um not too sure when the <clears throat> when the uh, warnings went out. Mm-hmm. It could have been after Didi. I think it was after Didi, yeah. But either way, they hit Harper, which was in, you know, not intentional. Mm-hmm. Uh, the guy was very, you know, emotional and stuff like that. Next batter comes in, he hits Didi, and then the warnings get sent out. Well, obviously, it was not intentional to hit these guys. So, did warnings need to come out? Probably not. But why warn both teams? And that's the that's the big topic here is why do we warn why did both teams get warned in situations like that? Now, if you're the the Phillies and the Mets after Alvarado did his thing, the next day someone gets hit, mm. maybe both warnings both teams get a warning at that point because there's obviously a very recent history and, and tension of of a fight breaking out. Obviously that makes more sense, but out of nowhere, why did both teams get warnings at times like that? It just it doesn't make too much sense because there's times where out of nowhere you hit somebody and they'll give a warning to both teams and you'll see a manager come out and argue that. Mm-hmm. The reason is not because they want to go out and hit somebody. The mm-hmm. reason is that affects the way the pitcher pitches. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now a guy, maybe a little bit of control issues, can't go inside with mm-hmm. a fastball. Or can't go inside or well won't go inside as much because he doesn't want to hit somebody. If he hits him, he's getting thrown out. So it's like, does that affect the way the pitcher thinks? The way the pitcher goes about his business? The way that the game's called? That's the problem. And then obviously the game kind of, no matter what you say, the game kind of uh, controls itself in that aspect. Mm. You hit one of my guys, you know, I'm going to, you know, at some point I'll hit one of your guys in the back. Just mm. tick for tack, nothing crazy. The game always policed itself like that, mm. no matter how you did it. So you start throwing warnings and then they, then they don't get one. So then, you know, maybe next series they'll peg a guy and it's a back and forth all year long. <clears> it's like, well, you hit me last time. Well, I'll hit you this time. Well, I can't hit you now. I'll have to hit you next time. Instead of just, like, essentially, it's a crazy, it's a crazy idea, but it's just the way the game always works. Instead of just letting like, okay, guy get hit in the back, up oh, later in the game, guy get hit in the back, okay, now we're done. Yeah, that's it. It's just done. Mm-hmm. Instead of being like, well, it keeps carrying back and forth and back and forth and back and forth, it just keeps going and going. Mm-hmm. But the big thing is, why do both teams get warning? And that's our, that, you know, that's what that's where the topic is. And is it right mm-hmm. for both teams to get warnings? And I said, like, I don't think it's right for both teams to get warnings, especially if it's just out of the blue. Or if it's known to be uh, you know, not intentional, Bryce Harper, that wasn't intentional to hit the guy in the face. No. You see the the reaction. Why warn at that point? Mm. You know, you know he hit Didi. It wasn't intentionally hit Didi. 
Why warn both teams? It doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Now the other team can't pitch inside. If you hit somebody, does he get thrown out? It doesn't make sense. Now if you're the Phillies, you're the Mets, you're the Yankees and Red Sox, Yankees and Rays, someone gets hit, if a warnings get to both teams at that time, it makes more sense. I still don't like the idea, though, of both teams getting warned for you just getting hit. It happens. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you shouldn't warn both teams just for hit-by-pitch. And you shouldn't overreact. But if there's a recent fight, a recent altercation, like the Mets-Phillies, like the Mets-Phillies, the next day, the next day, first inning, second inning, someone gets hit, both warnings get to both teams. It, there was an incident just yesterday, just last week, whatever. You know, it's, it could be real soon. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. But to be like, oh well, remember a year ago they hit this guy, and maybe the Yankees, maybe the Yankees tried pegging this guy now to get back at it. Let's warn both teams. It's a bit of a stretch. Yeah. Or just oh, the Twins played the Orioles today and they just hit somebody. Up, oh, warn us both teams. Why? Yeah. Just out of the blue. Why? Why are we doing this? Yeah. It has to be shown intentional. Could be intentional. There's a, some sort of story, some sort of history. Everyone knows the history. Umpires know what goes on. Oh yeah, yeah. Like this guy hates somebody. Like if like CC would have. Hit Jackie Bradley. Everybody knows he didn't like him. Mm-hmm. This was the way it was. Yeah. You obviously know how the game goes. So should should there be warnings to both teams in situations like that? No. It changes the way a pitcher thinks. The catcher calls the game. Uh, the batters feel that they can reach over the plate. You know they're not coming in. And all of a sudden, what if you accidentally hit somebody with a curveball? I've seen people get thrown out for hitting people with curveballs. He didn't try hitting them with a curveball. No. Now the guy just got thrown out. You messed the whole bullpen up for days because another guy has to come in just because, you know, you wanted to make sure there was no issue when there wasn't going to be an issue. Yeah. Hit by pitches happen. Yeah. I, I agree. I don't think that... I mean, there's certain situations, like you said, guy gets hit late in the game, next day comes in, the other team retaliates. It's over. Warnings are issued, it's over. Forget about it. You know what I mean? You, you got one of our guys, we got one of your guys. It's over. Please you, yourself. Yeah. You would like for it to end there. Obviously, things carry over, though. If you're, like you said, if you're a Yankees Rays, if you're a Dodgers Padres, if you're a... Hell, when they're both good Dodger, Dodgers-Giants or, you know, these rivalries, you know, Cubs Cubs and Reds, you know, stuff like that. Things happen and pitchers lose control. Now, I think that the Harper getting hit and Didi getting hit is a little unique because, or a little more unique, I'd say, because the guy hit Harper in the face, which is never good, no matter what situation or what, and then hit Didi right in the ribs, um, got him pretty good. Um, then you got a question now, should we throw this guy out? Because not clearly there was, those two weren't intentional, at least in my opinion. I think in most people's opinion, you don't want to hit a guy in the face or in the ribs. You're going to hit him in the back or something, ideally. So then, okay, well, now do we throw him out? Because now he's he's dangerous, you know. Is he that out of control that he could be starting to hurt people? Which he already, miraculously, Harper really wasn't too badly hurt. It wasn't like John Carlos Stanton all those years ago. So then there there's that unique situation. But no, in that situation right there, they should not be issued a warning, the Phillies. There's no reason that, you know, and the guy, like I said, it's unintentional. The guy didn't wasn't trying to hurt anybody, and you the, know. And the craziest thing about that, baseball did that. The MLB got DD hit by a pitch there. Reason why? That pitcher gets pulled after Harper gets hit in the face. He can't get pulled because of three batter minimum. That's a good point. A lot of times a pitcher gets throws up and in, hits a guy in the head, and you put the guy, you know, puts his hands on his head like this. They come out and pull that guy. And yeah. I believe... Schilt for the Cardinals said he was pulling him if he could after he hit him. Oh, wow. But he couldn't. Yeah. So now he's rattled. He's on the mound. Got a guy on first base. He's trying to overcome that. and gets crazy and boom, hits another guy. So just want to throw that out there. That was that was a big thing too. The Cardinals even mentioned Schilt was like, I, I would have pulled him, but I couldn't. 
That's yeah, that's a good point. I never even thought of that because I didn't know where he was at in the game. But that's yeah, that's an interesting little wrinkle is that the MLB caused a rule that could have totally avoided Didi getting hit. Not that Didi was like hurt severely or anything, but you never like to see a guy hit in the ribs or yeah. anywhere in that area. And the three game the three batter minimum really hasn't done anything for the game either. No. Hasn't sped anything up. No, of course not. So but um, uh but yeah, that was a little thing to throw in there that's like part of it, but um you know, it's it's still it's you know, certain situations warnings can get issued to both teams, but a lot of other issues, it just doesn't seem to be like, why do we, why, why are we jumping to the conclusions? Yeah. Now you're just getting other people angry. Now the manager's angry because we just got a warning in the third inning, maybe. Yeah. For something that just, just happened. Yeah. It's, yep. it's just no, there's no incident. It's like a bumping into the guy at first base on a play that he comes over. He didn't try doing it. You gotta get to the base. Yeah. There's no intent there. What are we gonna, are we gonna put warnings? You know, there's no, it's like, what do we, we're going overboard here. Yeah. Pitchers lose control, and there's some guys in the league that are notorious for losing control, and it just is what it is. Obviously, you don't like to see guys get hit, Yeah, but, you know, things happen. You can't just immediately have a quick trigger finger and want to issue warnings when one team had literally nothing to do with it. Yes. You know? Especially when you, you can't use grip on the ball as a pitcher, as mm-hmm. we've seen. It is still April. Colder, damp weather mm-hmm. happens, you know, and they're younger guys who throw hard. That's the league now. You throw hard. Mm-hmm. You throw hard, you're not going to have much control. It happens. Mm-hmm. We just got baseball and the umpires got to be better at really picking and choosing when the warnings go out or who should get warned. Hey, like you're warned, you're not warned. But but that doesn't give you the the ability to go up. Oh, now we can go out here and just go beam a couple guys yeah. to get back at them. Mm-hmm. No, but that doesn't mean the next guy you beam, you're out too. Yeah, there's got to be the ability to to go, you know, and, and, and establish that. And that, that could be something that maybe they have the the review umpire. When something gets hit, maybe he buzzes down and be like, hey, not intentional. Or, hey, that definitely looked intentional. Let's maybe have a meeting. And like you said, there's history with a lot of these teams. There's history. And, you know, people find stuff from two or three, four years ago between a pitcher and a batter or two teams. And sometimes, yeah, it's relevant. Sometimes maybe it's a little of a reach. Sometimes, it, you know, who knows if these guys or these coaches even remember an incidental thing like that. But there is history between, you know, like you said, the, the CC and Jackie Bradley. You knew that was coming. You know, it, yeah. it, if they if he had gotten hit, you wouldn't have been surprised. You know what I mean? So there's there's players that no, notably don't like each other. There's teams that notably don't like each other. But there has you have to take it by a case by case basis. You can't just be the umpire and be like, well, someone gets hit, I got to issue warnings. Yeah. Why can't it just be I issue a warning to a team or why? You know what I mean? Like why isn't there like movability within that within that rule? And it's it's technically a a, a judgment call. Yeah. So why can't there be a little, you know, movement? Yeah. Also, you know, not for nothing, but the inning ends. A quick walk over near the dugout. Hey, be, you know, not going to give you a warning, but to be smart. Yeah. Watch out. A yeah. quick mention to the mm-hmm. to the dugout. You know, nothing crazy. Doesn't have to be during commercial. Hey, you know. Yeah. It's just it. It's got to be. The umpires got to understand what's going on. There's four of them. They can meet over it. They can have the replay review guide buzz down. Like, hey. Maybe do something here. Hey, don't do something here. But then you got in that same Mets Mets game, Miguel Castro came and tried hitting Russ, Reese Hoskins three times. Mm-hmm. Threw right behind him, threw right behind him, and threw and then hit him. And then Reese Hoskins got hit, didn't even look at the pitcher. Like it was nothing happened. Hit, slow a little bit, tossed the bat over, jogged down the first. Miguel Castro walked towards the baseline, walked towards first base, wanted him to look at him, mm-hmm. wanted him to say something. Start yep. that. That was so intentional, but nothing was done after warnings were given. 
Yeah. Nothing was done there. It's like, how do you give warnings and then not get do something done? Yeah. And then they started another altercation. Mm-hmm. He wanted to fight him. He wanted to send a message. Yeah. He wanted to do this. He, Hoskins didn't. Mm-hmm. Castro wanted all, you know, in terms, wanted all the smoke. Yeah. And the umpire's like, nah. I know. that on purpose. That was about as intentional as you can get, you know? You know? <clears throat> it's, it's, it, it's, that was as intentional as Ryan Dempster trying to hit A-Rod. Yeah, oh yeah. Day. Everyone yeah. knew that was coming. Everyone knew that was coming. Yeah. Well, he threw four pitches at him. Yeah, you know? said he was going to do it. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just, you know, you got to be able to read what's going on. And like I said, it doesn't take much for you to replay official or just a meeting with the four umpires. Hey, what do you think? Uh, you know, or replay officials buzz down. Hey, yeah. you know, buzz down real quick. You know, a buzzer or something, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Hey, it's, it's, that's intentional. Come on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's history here. That was intentional. He threw at him twice or whatever, you know, whatever it is. Let's do warnings here or whatever. The quick thing. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be a long, oh, well, let's review six years of baseball to find out. Yeah. No, but to change the, the way a team could pitch for the rest of a game or a pitcher can pitch for something that's incidental definitely can't happen. No. Mm-mm. But in certain situations, obviously, warnings could definitely be issued. But something that the umpires in baseball need to clean up. Another thing. Yeah, but this is just this is more about the game. It just happens. It's a judgment call. It's like pass interference in the NFL. Mm-hmm. You know, it's nothing you can really do. It's just it's stuff they have to work on together. Yeah. And base, but hey, these are kind of more guidelines. Hey, this is what we should look for. Mm-hmm. Let's be let's work together on this. It happens. It's just something that the game will work on. But yeah, we just can't be too safe, I guess, or, or, or babysit these guys and go, oh, he do a, a thirty-two mile per hour curveball hit the guy in the back. Let's throw warnings out. Throw this guy out of here. Yeah. I mean, come on. Yeah. If he wanted to hit him, he was gonna hit him. Yeah. If he's gonna know? hit him, he's throwing ninety-two. He's hitting him in the back. Yeah. You know, exactly. I mean, it's, it's you know you know what's going on. So you know maybe baseball baseball could send a thing to these umpires. Mm. If there's any, you know maybe they do. Like, hey, this team has a thing. These two teams have a thing here. Last year they had a little thing. So yeah, just keep an eye out. out. Yeah. You know, so it's something definitely baseball can can work on. The umpires can work on, but it's no, you know, definitely not gonna be at the top of the list compared to replays no. or. You know, some of the crazy rules they want to do. But yeah. definitely something baseball can look into to help impact the, the game and the way pe- people pitch and stuff. Yeah, and like you said, the game police itself. So hopefully that could be – it could be just as simple a change as that, you know. Yeah, or you just add two two more things to the judgment call. Say you could issue one warning. You can issue, you know, be knowledgeable of – I don't know. You know, they could just add, like, two little things that could add to the judgment call, you know. Because you already got the thing you want with the warnings. Just say, hey – be considerate of prior instances, be considerate of if it's one-sided, you know, stuff like that. That's all it is. That's all you got to do. Yeah, there's definitely things that could be done and, and and they'll work on them and it's just a, it's a tough spot mm-hmm. for umpires and sure. stuff. But they need to know what's going on and they need to be able to know that, hey, if we throw this guy out, it's really going to affect, could affect this game. Mm-hmm. Or we throw or sent warnings when we didn't need to, it could really affect this game. Yeah. Like sure, we're trying to get ahead of maybe a fight, but it's like now you sense a warning when there was no fight coming. Mm-hmm. Now, if another guy gets pegged, a little something gets said, all right, at that point, you know, tensions are high. Mm-hmm. But just to hit somebody, I'll hit him in the leg, up, set him down at first. So, well, well, let's, let's send a warning real quick. It's like it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't have to be that way. We can get back to letting the game police itself a little bit. It's okay. It's okay. The game can police itself. We don't have to, you know, be in control of every little aspect of every little bit of the game. Yeah, they're big boys. They can handle it, you know. And that goes all the way back to anything with baseball. You know, the game can police itself. The players can police itself. We don't have to control every little aspect of them. Sure, yeah. So let them be a little free, which we've seen with 
just stuff with their cleats and stuff. Let them be free. Let them police themselves. Let them do what they want to do a little bit. Mm-hmm. The game will run itself. Yep. You don't have to overrun it. Yeah, exactly. And that, that goes into a lot of stuff. That so goes that's... into a lot of what baseball has yeah. messed up or prevented them doing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's a good uh, it's a good topic. I don't know if anyone's ever really has recently been talking about that, but that should be at least considered on some sort of, you know, like if baseball were to fix like even minor tweaks to stuff, that should be something that should be a little bit on the docket, you know. But anyway, to move on back to the news, uh, just this little second. It's not even really a piece of news. I just wanted to add it because I just love the story. I have this according to a report by CBS Sports. I'm not sure if it was broken by another news outlet, so forgive me if I'm if I'm misreporting uh, from another news outlet. But this was from this quote is from CBS Sports. So uh, could have de- could Degrom have gone to the Red Sox? According to a report by CBS Sports, quote in May of 2012, the Red Sox were working on a deal with the Mets for catcher Kelly Shopik. Ben Sherrington asked Sandy Alderson for a soon-to-be 24-year-old right-handed pitcher in the Florida State League who had missed the 2011 season after surgery. The name? Jacob DeGrom. Alderson seemed comfortable with the original idea, but checking with his minor league people caused him to tell Sherrington he had second thoughts. So finally, Boston received Pedro Bito, end quote. So I don't know how many people have even heard of this. It just caught my eye randomly while I was going through the articles to pick for the news. Could you imagine alternate history world here if you have... I mean, who knows then what happens with Chris Sale? Then do they go and get Chris Sale? Do then they have Chris Sale and Jacob deGrom? Is Jacob deGrom even better? Does he have more run support? Does he not? Like, there's so much to consider. For Kelly Shopik, I love it. The Mets don't get to the World Series. Yep. If the Mets don't get to the World Series, Matt Harvey doesn't pitch extra innings. Oh. Maybe Matt Harvey's still there. And Pedro Vito's over at the Boston. Maybe he wins a game here. A draft pick gets changed. You can keep going and going and going. I know. So, but, uh... DeGrom, straight up for Kelly Shopik. Sounds like a pretty good deal. That's right up there with one of the worst could have been, you know. Yeah. And the fact that that GM was comfortable with it until, like, some scouts or That or GM people. is still there. Yeah. The GM came back. Mm-hmm. It was like, hey. Yeah. He was the yeah. guy I was going to trade for Kelly Shopik. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, man. You know, it's like, oh, good thing we didn't do that. Yeah. You know, it's like the Mo trade and... Uh, it would have been Matt's trading Nolan Ryan again kind mm-hmm. of idea. It's like, here we go. We messed that one up, right? Or even though it's not like a one-sided trade, but the, the famous DiMaggio, Ted Williams, you know, written on a napkin trade that, that could have happened. Babe Ruth trade. None of that, you know, that, that doesn't – you lose that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's definitely something interesting you could, you know, you pull up there because uh, alternate history in all sports, but especially baseball. I mean, heck, you can go anywhere. Like I said, mm-hmm. Pedro Vito helping win this one extra game – all of a sudden, draft pick changes, and all of a sudden, uh, you know, Tatis gets drafted instead of getting drafted by the White Sox and traded to the Padres. He's drafted by, you know, the Pirates, and then they would definitely would trade him for nothing to <laughs> someone else. So it would just change the whole way, you know. Yeah. So alternate history is definitely something that you could really look into and really just go nuts with. Yeah, it, it's a crazy story. I just couldn't even believe I was reading it. I just had to throw it in there. I couldn't just yeah. leave it on the on the page. Yeah. But going back to more real news. Uh, we have minor league opening day coming uh, tomorrow, Tuesday, May 4th. The minor league baseball season officially gets underway after a long 588 day absence by Wednesday, by Wednesday, excuse me, almost all 120 affiliated teams in the minors will have played their first game. And we welcome back all minor league baseball and, you know, up and down triple a, double a, low a, high a, although did, I, I think you mentioned it to me that they're kind of almost integrating a lot of low and high A or, or something like yeah, that. They got rid of some teams and that was part of MLB's strategy. Even before COVID, it was kind of part of their strategy to cut down. But then 
COVID came out, they were like, this is our perfect chance to cut down. And, yeah. um, you cut down less players, easier to raise the pre- to pay for the players and stuff like that. But, uh, yeah, minor league opening day, uh, again, not one of the more anticipated opening days they're ever going to have. And mm. um, I know our local team here, the Jersey Shore Blue Calls, I believe they went to high A from low A this year. Yep. Um, I believe they were sold out two, three weeks ago already. Sold Good. out for Good. what they could do. People want to go see baseball at a more prof- – it's a professional level. Mm-hmm. They want to go see baseball for cheaper prices closer to home. Sure. Instead of making a trip out of it. Mm-hmm. So minor league baseball is awesome for these people. And, they, and a lot of people, they, they get a, a – a family-like atmosphere at these stadiums. Like, they kind of know the players. Mm. Some of the guys sit by the dugout, and they kind of know the guys. And they talk to them and stuff like that. So it's it's definitely a way to spread the game. So it's gonna, definitely going to help the game. So it's great for minor league baseball to be back in these franchises just to see what they have in the minors. Some of these guys haven't played in a year, over a year. I know. Yeah. it's uh, It sucks for some of those younger guys that are trying to get their, their bats in or their innings. And, uh, you know, it's good to finally have them back. Finally have, uh, lo- like you said, the local – scene you know like around here we have trenton thunder we have the jersey shore blue claws we have you know two you know high a now and double a we could go see and that goes for a lot of especially on the east coast and west coast it goes for a lot of people that can go and watch their local you know affiliate it's cool yeah and it brings the money for the cities and the towns and the state and everything else that goes into a deeper you know idea of things when they need it a lot now with the economy yeah so so it gives another people an avenue to enjoy the weather and the time that we yeah. didn't get to do last year. So Yeah, absolutely. But, yes, that's a, that's a great one. A couple of pieces of news here. I got um, Dodgers at two grand slams in the first two innings yesterday, which we don't really see much. That was pretty exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, Votto hit his 300th career home run. I believe he became the second Canadian-born player to hit 300 home runs. And I yep. believe he's the second most. He's, has the second, he's has the second most home runs for a Canadian-born player. I think you're right, yeah. Behind who? Do you know? Is it um... – I saw this. I saw this not too long ago too. Uh, who is it? I believe Larry Walker has the most. I think he has like 386. I believe. I knew that. Hall of Fame, Larry Walker. Yeah, good for um, him. And another milestone. Uh, Corey Kluber reached 100 wins yesterday. He seems to be uh, velocity up a little bit. He seems to be pitching. Uh, um, not quite Cy Young, but seems to be pitching back to what he could. You know, his potential could be at this point in his career. Sure. So that's uh, some big milestones there. 300 home runs, especially. And 100 wins is, is nice, uh, not, you know, doesn't compare to the 300 we used to say, but 100 now is, is I feel like it's almost like reaching uh, two, 200 back in the day, maybe. Yeah, almost. I mean, because... Well, at least 150 back in the day. I was going to say, because 300 anymore is just about, I wouldn't say unattainable, but it's... it's... Yeah, 250 I don't think is even reachable. I know. I think 200, maybe 225 is maybe the most <clears> you'll see, other than a couple carryover guys, Kershaw and Scherzer, a couple guys like that maybe could carry over to the, to the two... 250s, maybe 225. Other than that, you're really going to see 200 as kind of the benchmark. Maybe 220 is the benchmark. Right. So 100's yeah. a, a big deal, especially with a guy who has a couple of Cy Youngs. Yeah. He gets up to 150, 170 wins. You know, he's got a Hall of Fame shot. Sure. Yeah. Good for them. Good for him. Good for Votto. And I mean, the Dodgers won. I mean, that's always nuts. Um, the two Grand Slams. You know, it doesn't quite compare to Tatis with the two Grand Slams one inning. Against the same pitcher. Against, yeah. Against Chano Park. Yeah. That's unbelievable. That's yeah. We're gonna, that's unbelievable. Yeah, I don't know if that, that's one of those things that just, it just right time, right place for him. So, I don't know if that'll ever happen again. But still, two Grand Slams, two innings, that's pretty damn good. You know, and then, like I said, congrats to Joey Votto. A great career. 
Um, he's not done yet, but I mean, he's had a hell of a career so, so far. And Corey Kluber, I mean, there, you know, even if you're not talking about Hall of Fame consideration, just to get 100 wins in the big leagues is awesome. That's good for anyone, you know, if yeah. you're pitching at that level. So good for them. And I'll hopefully get more years here where they can hit and pitch, you know, as well as they can. So our last piece of news here, our usual roundup, uh, who's doing the best right now. Uh, for the first time on this show in I don't know how long, the team with the best record in the league is not the Dodgers. It is the Giants and the Brewers, which is just, I, I don't know. I really don't know. The Giants and the Brewers currently hold the best record in the league at 17-11. Meanwhile, in the AL, the Red Sox and A's are tied for the best record in that league at 17-12. and which they also share with the Dodgers as, as the overall second best record in the MLB. So 17-11, best record, Giants and Brewers. 17-12, Red Sox, A's, and Dodgers, second best record in the MLB. Uh, Dodgers still own the best run differential at plus 45, and the Tigers still own the worst at negative 62. Just a quick, you mentioned it to me, and I saw it myself while I was going through the run differentials. The whole NL East has a negative run differential except the Marlins, who I believe have like a plus five run differential. And they're last. Which is just just unbelievable. So, a lot of crazy stuff going on in the league right now. Hard to make sense of a lot of stuff, especially league leaders, um, you know, uh, standings leaders. Like I said, the Giants and the Brewers, we both kind of knocked both teams. Overall, I still think that our predictions are going to be right, pretty sound. Yeah, the Brewers make but, a little bit more sense. Well, Giants yeah. are not a great team. I mean, that's just... Yeah, I mean, you know, the Giants are playing well. Brewers are playing well. I mean, even hell, I mean, not for nothing, even the Red Sox, I, I don't really have all that much faith in as far as from a pitching standpoint can withstand the, you know, the long haul. So we'll see what happens. But I mean, regardless, good for those teams have a little bit of exciting baseball. Yeah, it's always good to see the other teams uh, playing good or teams who weren't projected to be division leaders, you know, coming out and playing hot. So to go into that, some of the hot teams I have to mention here, I got the Blue Jays, the Yankees, the Royals, the White Sox, the Nationals and the Cardinals. Those teams are all, um, I believe they're, most of them are seven, seven and three in their last ten. Mm-hmm. A couple of them are, I think, even eight and two yeah, in probably. the last ten. Yeah. So those teams are really playing good baseball over the last ten games. And some of the cold teams here, the Tigers, unbelievably cold. The Yankees came in and swept them, um, but they're offensively just not hitting the ball at all. So they're they're one of the, they're, they're are the worst team in baseball right now. And um, a little surprising because they have a little bit of talent there, but uh, still. Uh, another cold team, the Marlins, the Cubs, not playing well at all. We'll go yeah. into the Cubs a little bit when we get into some of the players. Um, Dodgers, actually, I think they they uh, lost seven of the last ten. Mm. Uh, they have a lot of injuries to deal with, but still. And then the Twins, another mm. cold team. So some of them teams are definitely big, you know, big big name teams, especially the Dodgers and Twins. The Cubs kind of, but all struggling right now. Yeah, I'm a little surprised at the Twins overall. Uh, I, I didn't pick them to win division or anything. I know some. A lot of people, I think, did. But I just, I mean, they're right there with almost the Tigers in that central division. Like, not quite the Tigers. They're they're pretty rough right now. But I'm a little surprised at them. If anyone in particular, I'm a little surprised at. Because, you know, you see the Yankees start to turn around a little bit. The Braves aren't playing great, but they're kind of hovering. You know, like, there's teams that, that make sense that they're at least hovering. They're right there. But, uh, you know, I'm surprised. They'll, I, I'm sure they'll kick it into high gear. Uh, you know, we always talk about, you know, kind of a law of averages thing. Like, these teams are just too talented. Yeah. Or some of these teams, not that they're not talented, there's less of a depth of talent. Yeah, that, you know. The Twins just offensively haven't been hitting like they're supposed to, and their pitching has been okay. The bullpen, Alex Colomay, has, has struggled since he's got there this year. Um, he'll turn it around. Um, but their offense, which is what they're, they're kind of key on, 
um, has been struggling. But hopefully they can get get a turnaround here and um, you know make a push to get back up into the central here pretty quickly and, and give us the, the kind of the race that we uh, wanted and expected. Yeah, as opposed to the Royals, which is just surprising. I mean, don't get me wrong, I, I was a little surprised by the roster too, but, I, I mean, does it last? Probably not. But, uh, anyway, so let's move on to our who's hot, who's hot and who's not uh, topic here, where we talk about our hot and cold players for the week. So my hot players for the week, number one, no particular order like usual. Last week, Austin Riley. Batted 542 with a 750 slugging, a 1320 OPS for the week. Red hot, um, still defensive woes, I'm pretty sure. You know, that's still, I don't think he's overcome that, but he's at least hitting hot. Uh, number two, Giancarlo Stanton has been just on fire. Uh, 522 average, 696 slugging, 1217 OPS. And he's smoking the ball. But that's what I was going to say. When he gets hot, he's fun to watch because he. He's a velocity through the roof. I think he has uh, more batted balls over a certain mile per hour, then I think he's doubled the, the next closest team. Yeah, it, I'm sure. It, it's, it's like some ridiculous statistic. He's, he had like three of like 108 plus in one game. Yeah, he's 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 a ridiculous human being. Um, but yeah, he's hitting good. Uh, number three I have here is Jared Walsh, batting 500 over the last week with an 889 slugging, 1413 OPS. Um, someone that I thought about picking up in fantasy that Frank did, yeah, and yeah. I regret it. So, yeah, he's hitting very well. That um, Angels lineup, kind of as uh, advertised, and now they got Rendon back, So which you'll talk about in a little bit. So, you know, a lot to like there out of that middle of that order. Number four, I got Byron Buxton, who won Player of the Month, I'm pretty sure, in the AL. Uh, batting 476 over last week with a 905 slugging, a 1405 OPS. Uh, has been really starting to come around if he can, you know, stave off the injuries. Has really kind of almost... I wouldn't say quite as advertised with this high of hitting, but, I mean, he's starting to finally maybe find that stroke that a lot of scouts thought he would. Uh, and number five, I got Tyler O'Neill, uh, 440 average over the last week, 720 slugging, 1160 OPS. Another guy just really tearing the cover off the ball and really helping that uh, that Cardinals lineup out a lot. When, you know, when you have uh, you already have Goldschmidt and Arenado and DeJong and these guys that are really good and you add him to it, you know, that definitely yeah. helps. Yeah, Tyler O'Neill's uh, uh, a big talent there, speed, power. Um, started the year a little slow, but he's really getting going now. Mm-hmm. He's red hot right now. Sure. So, a few other guys I want to mention here who have been pretty good over the last seven days. Uh, Andrew Benatendi, he was hitting very well, up over 400. And uh, Deo Peralta, a guy who I had on my fans team a few times, um, and a guy no one really gives his credit for, but no. um, really, really good hitter. Um, and, a, and a better fielder than people think. But he's another one who's been playing uh, very well offensively. Sure. Um, a few pitchers to take a look at who have been pitching really good recently. Pablo Lopez for the Marlins. Lance McCullers. Carlos Martinez after a slow start. Two great outings. Yeah. Looks mm-hmm. close to what he used to be. Mm-hmm. If he can come back and start doing that to add to the Cardinals, another reason why the Cardinals are getting high here, Tyler O'Neill hitting, Carlos mm-hmm. Martinez pitching, all of a sudden they're good. Yeah, makes sense. Um, a couple other guys, Dylan Cease for the White Sox, been pitching good. And Ian Kennedy out of the bullpen, a couple saves last week. Yeah. So there's a few uh, few pitchers there who really um, been pitching well over the last uh, seven to ten days. Sure, yeah, a lot of exciting uh, guys coming on here. Finally, you know, like I said, like Stanton, Jared Walsh, I think is an exciting player. Byron Buxton, like I said, a lot of people have been waiting on that uh, for quite a long time here at this point with his career. So it's good to see these guys playing, really getting hot and making their averages more what they're sh- what they should be. 
Uh, now we'll go to the cold players. Uh, no particular order. My number one guy is Francisco Lindor with a .050 average, with a .050 slugging, and a .224 OPS over the last week. Just really not hitting good, and I know a lot of Mets fans are getting frustrated with him. I would say it's a bit uh, a bit early to start getting uh, you know all wound up about you know about this guy. I think he's going to be just fine. I think he's going to be just fine for that contract. It is. I understand the frustration though. Uh, number two here, Max Muncie, over the last week batting o point oh five nine with a point oh five nine slugging and a point three three two OPS. Um, a guy that has been pretty cold for the first month here, and uh, you know I'm pretty sure all of last year he was not great. So uh, a little bit of a you know you ra- raise your eyebrow at you know at, Ma- at Max Muncie here. You got to start getting going at some point here. Uh, number three, I got Jose Altuve, uh, .083 average over the last week, a .125 slugging. And a .236 OPS over last week. Another guy that um, I wouldn't say has fallen from grace, but uh, another guy you kind of raise your eyebrow at. Um, he's definitely, um, I haven't looked at his stats, but I'm assuming he's having a better year than he did last year because he looked, uh, you know, last year he looked different, if it may, if that makes any sense. Um, while his stats were obviously not great, um, there was a different look about him. There's a different demeanor, a different play. So this is a guy I really like. Um, I know a lot of people turn their ire uh, with the whole Astro situation to Jose Altuve, but I, I really like the guy and I really do uh, wish that he would come back around here to the, you know, ridiculous hitter he is. Uh, number four here, uh, Jose Abreu with a .105 average over the last week, a .105 slugging and a .366 OPS. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, Jose Abreu is having a rough go of it in this first month. Maybe a little bit a tribute, you know, to the White Sox slow start, even though they're starting to get going here. They did have a little bit of a slow start. So uh, kind of makes sense. And then finally, number five, Miguel Cabrera, .095 average, .238 slugging, and a .333 OPS over the last week. Again, like you said, Tigers are ice cold. Um, not that they have a lot of pieces in their lineup anyway, but obviously if you want, if you have one guy that would be hitting, you'd like it to be Miguel Cabrera. But he can't do it all, so I guess, you know, you have your weeks in the season. So this is what it is. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> a few guys I got to mention to add on to what you had here, uh, Ty France. Just off the year, pretty hot, but he's uh, pretty cold over the last uh, seven days. I think he's like under. I, think, I don't know if you know he had a hit last week, mm-hmm. or if he had one hit. Yeah. Um, Miguel Rojas, another one started the year very good, um, cold the last week or so. Daniel Vogelbach, uh, another one who I think only had one hit over his last 18 at bats or so. Mm-hmm. So there's a few guys there just to, to throw in and add into yours. Um, and a few of the cold pitchers to take take a look at. and if you want to go look over their last seven to ten days, not pitching good. Jake Arrieta, Alec Bettinger, he pitched. He has like a 48 ERA. Mm. Uh, he he pitched like one inning or got a couple outs and gave like six, seven, eight earned. Mm. Uh, Trevor Williams, Kyle Hendricks. Just so you guys know, that's three of the four players I listed were Cubs pitchers. Mm-hmm. Kind of explains what's going on there. Um, Steve Matz, he had a bad uh, bad bad start his last one. Um, got beat up there. So, yeah, there's, there's some names there, some bigger names, especially Kyle Hendricks, Arietta, and Steven Matz, who um, you don't really expect to see on the cold list uh, to get really beat up. And, yeah, she'll have their decent, you know, off starts and, and stuff like that. But to really get beat up and be on the cold list, you don't really expect it too, too much. Sure. Yeah, I mean, it sucks, you know, see some of these guys in the cold list. Uh, I mean, everyone, I even just in the hitting category, everyone I listed off here are all-stars, are well-known people. Lindor, Muncy, Altuve, Jose Abreu, Miguel Cabrera. I mean, these are big. These are big boys. You know, they 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 know how to hit. They can do it. So, so we'll see what happens. Still the first month. 
still a little chilly out. Once you start getting into a little bit warmer weather, ball starts flying a little more, even though they did mess with the ball over the offseason. You know, things start to happen. So, um, before we get into our trivia question, I made a little segment here for myself just to shout out. I didn't really want to get into statistics or anything. But I just wanted to shout out, you know, we did close out the month here for April. Just wanted to give some shout out to some players that I thought really played well. Had some unbelievable, some players had some really unbelievable statistics like DeGrom and, and Mike Trout and, and, you know, stuff like that. So, I just wanted to throw some names out here. So, if you, if you hear any names, if you don't hear any names you want to mention, Frank, just uh, shout them out at the end. So, I got Mike Trout, Byron Buxton, J.D. Martinez, Vlad Guerrero Jr., Ronald Acuna Jr., Nick Castellanos, Chris Bryant, Nelson Cruz, Jacob DeGrom, Danny Duffy, Garrett Cole, Corbin Burns, Tyler Glasnow, John Means, Brandon Woodruff, Alex Reyes, Aroldis Chapman, Craig Kimbrell, Tyler Rogers, and Yasmero Petit. Uh, there's obviously more that I could have named. I could have went down a whole list. Um, I thought that was a pretty extensive list already. Uh, but some of these guys, I mean, Mike Trout is just as as good as you'd want out of Mike Trout. You know, he's already one of our, I'd say, one of our favorite players and one of the best players I've ever seen. So he keeps going. Byron Buxton, you know, uh, doing his thing. DeGrom putting up video game numbers. J.D. Martinez putting up video game numbers almost. Um, Vlad Guerrero Jr. being what he, they projected in that eight, you know, 80 uh, scouting report on his hitting. That's finally starting to come around almost. Ronald Acuna Jr. being one of the most exciting players in baseball, if not the most exciting. So you got a lot of guys here to like. And I just wanted to give a shout-out. You know, these guys are really the best. I'd say the best of the best in in, in the month of April. Sure, sure. You know, you got guys Harper and, and Real Muto and Carlos Rodon, Matt Olson. Uh, there's a bunch of guys who, you know, you can keep going and going who had, really, you know, really good uh, first months here. Mm. But, um yeah, that's that's a big list there, and some of those guys really did have uh, unbelievable achievements. Joe Musgrove with the no hitter, and yeah. so um, that's you know it's pretty cool to see. But um, real quick before we get to the, the trivia question here, I got some some injury updates mm-hmm. to mention. We got um, Darren O'Day put on the IL, rotator cuff. Uh, Miguel Sano on the IL. Luis Robert, Luis Robert, unfortunately, is going to be out. Baseball activities shut down for three to four weeks, not three to four months. Yeah. Um, so we're probably not going to see him for five months back with the White Sox, which Sox. is a shame. Uh, Jesus Lazardo, who hurt his pinky yeah. uh, right before start playing a video game. He banged his, after video game, banged his hand on the desk or the thing. I don't know if he got upset or if he just did it on accident, but and then got beat up pretty good in that start. Mm-hmm. Uh, Marcus Gonzalez, IL. James Paxton did get Tommy John. Charles Darneau, torn ligament in his thumb. He's on the 60-day DL, so that's a big thing for the Braves. Yeah. Jazz Chazom. Who's a high prospect and playing playing pretty good for the Marlins? He's on the IL. Yep. Omar Navarez, unfortunately, went on the IL uh, with hamstring. The Brewers getting beat up here with injuries. Mm-hmm. Dustin May went on the IL, announced not long ago he's getting Tommy John. Yastrzemski, IL for the Giants. George Springer is back though. Rendon is back. Olson missed a few games with a with a he took a ball to the eye and bat in practice. He's back. Mm-hmm. Juan Soto's almost back. Luke Voigt is almost back. Christian Yelich returned. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> you know, Harper getting hit in the face. He he returned two days after that. So we had a bunch of guys here actually coming back too, which is which is good. Um, Syndergaard, sure. you know, on the right trail here. Um, Chris Sale's kind of working his way back. So we got guys here on the, on the you know, who just came back or on the right trail uh, to coming back here. So that's always good too. But uh, big injury week and, and some pretty good names here um, that got hurt. Um, and there's obviously some more. Um, that you could always mention, but these are some some of the bigger names or bigger impact guys. I thought 
um, to mention. Yeah, yeah, the Luis uh, Robert Robert, however you say his name, um, that one hurt. Uh, White Sox fans, we we both like him a lot. Uh, we think he's super talented, you know. And like, regardless of the player to be out that long, especially now we're past a month, and now he's probably going to be out. We're not going to see him for five months. That's just about the whole season you're out. So yeah, and, you know, and they're already missing Eloy Jimenez. Yeah, so, so it, um, you know, a team that we thought was just about one of the best in the league, you know, going down like that. Um, it's, getting, it's getting beat up here. Yeah, and it, and it tested. Yeah, it sucks to uh, see. You know, obviously any injuries, like I always say. Uh, but, you know, that's a team that's got uber talent and depth. So they'll be okay in the long run, I think, but that definitely doesn't help, yeah. <laughs> you know. Anyway, to get to our last little bit here, it's a trivia question. So to wrap the whole episode up or circle around here, we started with the, the warnings and hit-by-pitches. So I want to stay on that topic. And uh, which player has the most hit-by-pitches of a batter? So by a batter, who got hit the most? And that'll be history. If you can't, give me the name and number. That'd be fan. I, I don't know who would get that. So, so who got hit the most? And will be history. Huey Jennings. He got hit 287 times. He played, uh, started his career in 1891. And um, if you really want to go into his career, he played this year for one game. And then, that's crazy. But he really ended his full-time career playing in, I believe, 1903. Mm-hmm. Um, Hall of Fame player, 311, 312, career hitter. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, holds the record for 287 times being hit by a pitch. Um, second place is Craig Biggio, 285. Other guys you might see towards the top of that list, Dusty Baker, Don Baylor, a bunch of guys like that you can see at the top of that list. But, um, yeah, Huey Jennings, 287, has the most hit by pitches of a batter, and that will be history. Yeah, I, I never would have got that. I don't know how many people really would get that without without just guessing. You know, we usually put it up on on Twitter as a multiple choice. That's a you got to be a pretty big baseball story to know that. You know, especially those older guys, they start to really the start stats start to get wacky. So you got you know guys like uh, like Huey over here. You know, you know your stuff. Uh, Craig Biggio, that's definitely a name that you could guess. That's definitely a recent baseball mind. If you have seen that stat before, if you are you know you were an Ast- you are or were an Astros fan, whatever. That's one that I could see people guessing, or like you said, Don Baylor, Dusty Baker. That makes sense. Yeah. So. But. Ugh. And and for Huey, Hall mm. of Fame Huey, no helmet, no elbow guard, no shin guard, no extra padding, no probably no batting gloves, no anything. So he was just getting beamed and beamed and beamed. Just wearing it. And just going down to first base. You know he didn't miss games Mm-mm. back in the day. He played every day, fifteen times a day. Three eleven hitter, Hall of Famer. Mm-hmm. So he earned him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you get hit by pitch, you earn it. Play mm-hmm. elbow guard, and shin guard, and brushes the jersey, and helmet, face guard, and protective helmet, and just everything's more protective. Better cleats and batting gloves with a little bit of protection. Everything's more protective now, mm-hmm. which is good. Yeah. Not, not in Huey's day. No. Huey's up there holding a big piece of wood that he just got, you know, he's going to light on fire later because it's just all jagged. No helmet, so he's getting beans right in the head. Mm-hmm. You know, even his, even his jersey's all messed up and pie holes in it because you used it every single day for 70 years. <laughs> he he earned every little bit. He he got hit. Yeah, yeah. So I'm sure he took a couple to the head and, and some other places and just went right down to first and never mess, missed a game or left a game and just went on his way. Probably. And so. he's not too far removed from those original rules where if you got hit by a pitch, it was just a ball. Yeah. So imagine, I, I don't think, I think if he came into the league at 18, in 1891, I think the rule was already passed that. I think they already established that you take your base, but 
you know, imagine if you played a little sooner than that, him getting hit by pitches and wearing four hit by pitches and taking your base. Like even seven. <laughs> yeah. You want to go even farther. That's true. Seven balls That's to true. take your base and four strikes. Yeah. Get hit, say I'm saying get hit seven times just to go walk down. Now that's when you should throw issues some warnings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hit this guy seven times in the back just to set him down to first base. Jesus Christ. No helmet or nothing, you know? Yeah. Beam him, bang, bang, yeah. bang, bang. Just let me go. Yeah. Just, I'll walk right down here. Yeah. I just walk this guy. Instead of beaming him 17 times, you know? Yeah. He's yeah. got brain damage already. I one at bat. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I imagine three, four bats a game. You oh pay 28 God. times just to, just to walk him four times. Yeah. 28 times just to walk down there. Yeah. That's just sending a message. Just the pitching machine. Boom, 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 boom. <laughs> just sit him on the wall, you know? Just let him go. But, uh, yeah, Huey Jennings, 287 most hit by pitches, and he earned every one of those 287, oh, yeah. I bet. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. So Good for you, whoever got that right. If anyone listening got that right, yeah. good for you. And I bet you he didn't rob him. No. That's that's probably where they're like, don't rob it, Huey. Yeah, that's yeah. That's where it came from. Yeah. So you gotta be. Huey's just ran right down there. Maybe ran the third a couple times because he doesn't know where he's at. He's yeah, yeah. He's all squirrely. Yeah. But <laughs> somehow he found a way to 300 at 311 and uh, make his way to the Hall of Fame. Good yeah, nice little good, nice little career for Huey. Yeah, good, good old Huey. So. <laughs> yeah, it's a good one. It's definitely one that, uh, uh, like I said, if, you, if unless you're a big baseball historian or if you're uh, big into that old baseball, I don't know how you'd get that. But, but you know, like I said, good one anyway. But that's uh, kind of all I got for this episode. I think we covered a lot of good stuff, uh, unless you have anything else that you want to end with or anything you want to bring up before we go. No, I think that's pretty much it. Um, I think the only small things you can look at, uh, the NFL draft was over, so it's part of that. You know, extra news and uh, sports. Playoffs coming around for other sports as well. You got Cinco de Mayo coming up. Uh, Star Wars fans got the May 4th. Yep. Um, and uh, one of our buddies' birthday was just uh, the other day, April 29th, our buddy Joe. So happy birthday to him. Other than that, though, uh, not too much uh, kind of on the outskirts of baseball or any other sports that you can even mention here that's uh, – we usually kind of throw in, throw together just to, just to get out there. So Yeah. If that's it, then uh, let's wrap this thing up. Yeah, that's it. All right. Uh, thank you guys for listening. You can catch this podcast on Apple Podcasts as well as Google Podcasts and Spotify. Uh, you can also listen to this podcast on our regularly updated YouTube channel as well as our uh, website, screwball.podbean.com. You can follow me on Twitter at RealMikeLapree. You can follow me on Instagram at MikeLapree. And you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at FDubs10. You can follow our official Screwball Twitter at ScrewballPod. You can follow our official Screwball Facebook at ScrewballPod. No Ian Screw. And that's it from us, guys. We'll see you next week. Yep. Take care.